from their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. And welcome to the Boomer the Babe Show. It's Wednesday, October 31st, 2012. Another month in 2012 is gone. It just seems like the year started yesterday. And I'm Pete Peters, and this is another Boomer and the Babeless show today. She's with uh, clients and customers today, so she's out of the office, out of the studio. And uh, I hope she's successful. I always like it when she's successful in her endeavors because that makes my job a lot easier. Uh, So at any rate, uh, we're here. We're hoping that you're going to be enjoying the show today. It is 11 o'clock on the West Coast, 2 o'clock on the East Coast. And uh, special thoughts go to the people that are trying to dig out from Sandy. Apparently the sand of Sandy, it looks like it's pretty devastating back there. And uh, good luck to all of you and best wishes to all of you. And hope you can get yourselves undone, as it were, from that devastation. Uh, today we have a special guest. Uh, is Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken is a customer service expert. Uh, talking to him before the show, I think we're going to have a great time today. And welcome to the show, Shep Hyken. How are you today? I'm doing great, and boo, happy Halloween. Oh, yes, indeedy, happy Halloween. I should have thought of that. I just I just got uh, beautiful pictures of my two granddaughters in their Halloween costumes that uh, just came over the Internet here just before uh, just before I went on. And uh, it's one of those things that I put it in my grandfather's, my grandfather's mind, and sometimes it doesn't always come out in a timely manner. But, well, and, uh, <laughs> hey, you're but giving boom. away your boomer age right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, boo back at you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Shep, what we what we try to do with our guests is we put on the spot right from the get-go. We ask them to give us a little bit of a, a two-minute uh, mini-movie, a little uh, trailer, if you will, of uh, what you've done in the past and how did you get to what you do today. And then we're going to get into more detail, obviously, about what your, uh, what your take, undertakings are for today and your career and so on from uh, from that you're working on now. So uh, go ahead and give us a little background if you don't Sure. Wow, two minutes uh, to tell my whole life story. There you go. And I just used seven seconds of it. That's <laughs> So uh, I am a customer service expert. I am a professional speaker. I travel around the world, deliver keynote speeches. I'm an author. Uh, I'm working on my 10th book now. The last two hit the bestseller list, including uh last one's on the New York Times, uh, and uh, was number one in USA Today, uh, been one before that, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and, you know, of course, all the other uh, ancillary lists. So I'm very, Mom's really excited about that. I'm proud of it, too, but Mom is really, really excited. There you proud go. of that one. <laughs> um, and I started out uh, as uh, back in 1983 uh, without a job, but I had had a real job, just the company sold, and it was time for me to move on since uh, it was bought by actually several different companies. And I was looking for something to do. I had business background, and I had a business growing up. I was a birthday party magician, and I eventually worked in nightclubs, and I had a little entertainment background. So I wrote a speech and started calling companies and telling them that I had a speech that they should use at their sales meetings. And within a matter of a very short time, I found that the topic that most interested me was customer service. 
back in the early 80s, customer service wasn't all that popular. People talked about it, but they didn't talk about it like they did today. Uh, and there was one major company, IBM, that was probably at the forefront of customer service at the time. So that's kind of how it all started. And over the last, uh, gosh, almost 30 years now, it's evolved into a business where we uh, have the books that I write, the speeches I deliver. I have trainers that go out and deliver training programs. Uh, we now have an online version of that. And so that's what the business looks like today. And here we are. Absolutely. Uh, I found one thing uh, uh, in that particularly interesting when you said that back in the day, in the 80s, people didn't think of customer service the way they think of it now. Uh, and I have this sneaking suspicion based on the fact that we do a, a fair amount of networking ourselves and talk to a, a, certainly a fair amount of smaller businesses, and we asked, we asked them, what is one of the differentiators that makes you special from your competition? And they all say, we give great customer service. And I went, oh, but with the way they say it, it just trips off their tongue, and they don't, they can't say, well, I do this for customer service and that for customer service, and nobody else does this. Uh, I, I, it's almost as if they're just kind of passing it off as, well, everybody gets customer service, and everybody says they give customer service, and how much do they really do it? And uh, it, it, it kind of, it's off-putting to me from the standpoint it puts up a red flag when somebody says, I give great customer service. Well, and the problem is they probably think they do, and they may very well be doing it. But when I talk with my clients, we do a little exercise once in a while, especially in the executive boardroom where I'll say, tell me why I should work with you instead of your competitor. Tell me why we should do business together. What makes you unique? What makes you different? And the first words out of their mouth are just like your friends and, and clients where they say, oh, we, we give great customer service. And I said, do you think your competitor down the street is not saying the exact same thing that you are. Come exactly. on, give me something to work with here. Everybody gives good customer service. At least mm -hmm. they say they do. So give me something that's really different. And the problem, and, and by the way, service is a differentiator. And the companies that truly do deliver the service, not just pay lip service to delivering the service, but actually do it, have a leg up. They're recognized. They can specifically call out, yeah, we do, and here's how I can prove it to you beyond our competition. And and, and they can't. But it's those companies that separate themselves. And the word I want to use, and whenever I type it in to a Word document, it always says it's misspelled. I don't think it is. It's decommodization. Or to decommoditization. <laughs> you don't want to be a commodity. You want to right. decommoditize yourself. Gotcha. And the way to do that is to create various places of, of value that you can give to your customers and clients. By the way, I'm going to use the word customers throughout the hour, if that's okay, even though it might be sure. a client, a guest, a patient, a member, or whatever. Yesterday, uh, I worked with AAA, as you and I were talking about, and their customer base is members. So throughout the presentation, we talk about members. Don't even mention the word customer, because that's what they are. But anyway, they're all going to be customers. Bottom line is, what do you do that will make the customer want to do business with you? Many times it is, hey, we sell what everybody else says, but the way we deliver it and the experience you get is going to be better, and we can prove it. Here's how. I, I'm going to suggest that uh, customer service 
and the degree to which it is better than others and uh, more encompassing than others also then becomes part of your brand. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my new book project, which is a business book about, you know, and I love words like amaze, and, and my last book is The Amazement Revolution. This next one is called Amaze Every Customer Every Time. And I've chosen one role model throughout the entire book. It's not so much a book about them, although it will appear to be so because their examples are throughout the entire book, but it's Ace Hardware. Now, Ace has a brand promise to you, and do you know what that tagline or brand promise is? Jeez, I don't. I don't remember it. Okay. Well, if you think about it, I bet you remember they are, uh, well, it's something. It's the something place. Ace is the place, the... Uh, Oh, the helpful hardware. Uh, hard, hard, okay. There you go. Helpful so, hardware. So their yeah. brand promise is helpful. It's a yes. one-word mantra, and uh-huh. they deliver. And by the way, that's like one of the very, very best things that they do is is they deliver helpful. They deliver service and the support of helpful, and that, that's it. So that's what differentiates them. And if you think about it, uh, and by the way, I'm not knocking any of the other hardware stores or like a Home Depot or Lowe's, they have their place. But one thing that Ace wants to do is they want to be the most helpful store on the planet. Well, let me let me interject here because I, I, I know for a fact that what you're saying is absolutely 100% correct. We have an Ace Hardware store that, if I were real energetic, I could walk to. Uh, but, but at any rate, whenever, whenever I need, I live in Sun City, Arizona. Sun City, Arizona is, um, as you may or may not know, and the listeners may or may not know, is a uh, a planned community for a 55 plus, and all the houses have the same toilets, and all the houses when they were built had the same faucets, and so on and so forth. So when I go into the Ace Hardware store because the the float is not working in my toilet, which is the the, the original toilet from the house that was built here years ago when my when my parents bought it uh that floats not working i go in and i say or i need a new toilet seat i say i need the new have to have a new toilet seat or a new float or whatever and they say is that the same toilet that was in the house when when it was built and i said yes it was he said and now here is the seat here is the here is the float whatever it might be this is the hinge for that door because this is what they put on that door it's amazing and they have the service, they know right where it is, and they are helpful because they'll get you in, they'll get you out. And, and by the way, that's one of the things they want to do. They want to get you in, they want to get you out, and they want to make sure that they give you everything you need so you don't have to come back for the same project. Have right. you noticed that they ask you extra questions? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And, and so uh, a great story about that, and I had no idea I would ever write a book that used them as the role model. But years ago, I had a saloon door uh, that kind of came out of the wall. The screws weren't holding it into the, the wall or the mount or whatever it was. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I can fix it. I just don't know what you call things. <laughs> so yeah, I go to the yeah. hardware store, and I show them the part that came out of the wall. And I said, I need this. And by the way, it was Ace Hardware in De Pere, Missouri, which is a sub, uh, you know part of St. Louis, Missouri. And, and it turns out I, I became friends with the owner and his son, uh, because we're a member of the same organization together. But here's what I did. I said, I need this. And the guy said, oh, and he took me over to exactly the place. And as he's giving it to me, he says, what are you using it for? And I told him. And he said, you don't want this. I go, I don't? He goes, no. And he took me over to another area and says, this is what you want. This is how you mount it. Because if I give you what you just brought in, you're going to be back in here in a year or two, and you're going to fix it again. 
You put this in the wall, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> go, Absolutely. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So what he did was, you know, communicated. He didn't take an order. He 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 asked more questions, and that's part of what helpful is about. But if you think about it, and I'm not knocking like a Sam's Club or a Walmart or Lowe's, Home Depot. These are very big stores, and you go to those stores because maybe you are very price sensitive on a project. And but when you go there, uh, you're going to be in a huge parking lot. You're going to walk in. Somebody might greet you, but when you need help. There may not be quite as many people working the floor. So you might get a little bit better price, and you might even get a different type of selection. But what Ace has done, which is really quite impressive, is that they become the best at one thing. Actually, mm-hmm. probably more than one thing, but they're the best because they're the most helpful. They aren't the best price, but go down the street to the other store, and they say, we want to give you the best price. We just may not be able to have as many people on the floor supporting you. So you get your choice. Uh, I'm reading a great book right now called Uncommon Service by Professor Frances Fry of Harvard Business School. And I saw her speak recently, and I've been following her work for about two years. And in the book, she says, you can be best in class at something, but you have to be willing to be worse in class in something else. And I don't know if you need to be worse, but not as best, right? just not as good. And that's what ACE has done. They're, hey, we're best in class at creating great service and being helpful. We recognize we're not going to be the best price, and we're okay well, with that. Cause uh, another, thing, another thing that ACE has, and, we're, and, I, and I, I, we're, I hope we get paid for this commercial. Um, we, we could switch to another company in a moment if you want, because I could give you a dozen examples of no, what I'm, I'm talking I'm, about. I'm being facetious. Um, the another, another thing that Ace has is just what you indicated that they did when they said, well, you don't need that one. They have expertise. Helpful right. is one thing, but just, just spewing something that uh, that they have no background in or don't understand is something else again. Because I, know, I know that I could go in and I say, I, same type of thing, I need, this, I need a thingamajig for the whatchamacallit. And they said, I've got just the thingamajig, and your whatchamacallit will never work better. And, and that's exactly where it is. And I know that I can depend on them and rely on their, and rely on their information that they're giving me as being 99.99% pure. So to right. speak, and 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 it's and it's right there. Uh, let's just switch. Well, well, before we do that, I want to kind of I want to tell you something really cool. I mean, they do all the things right, and and people ask me who you know when I tell them I'm doing another book project and I'm using this company, they go they go why? And I I, I could share examples like this, but there is proof to back it up with JD Power surveys and everything. But the one that impressed me. The most, and by the way, JD Powers ranks them number one in their industry and retail and blah blah blah. And I love those because it validates it. But last year, Business Week uh, announced the top 25 customer service brands in America, and Ace beat out the Ritz Carlton. Wow. And I love the Ritz Carlton. Ace was ranked number 10 for mm-hmm. customer, and I thought, wow, how do they do that? And they're a huge company, multi-billion-dollar company. They actually, all the people out there that your store is individually owned by some guy in, his, in the community. So it's kind of like individual entrepreneurs, but it's part. It's also a huge company at the same time. Anyway, I think it's cool, and I, I just wanted to throw that in. They're great people, and and uh, we 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 have a hundred stories just like that today. But sure, 
Sure. Go ahead. Now you can switch gears. I'm well, let well, you do no, that. I was, I was just <laughs> as an example of customer service, and I can see it as customer service. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm stretching it a little bit. But we've got a situation right here that I was watching on the television this morning. That President Obama is going to New Jersey, and he's already been to the Red Cross, and he's given his uh, let's cut out the baloney, let's cut out the, the the red tape, and so on and so forth, and the bureaucracy, and let's get these people some help. Now, I understand that it somewhat, can somewhat be political and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, if he can accomplish the fact that he's going to be able to have FEMA give those people good customer service, uh, it's going to be really, really good for him. I'm going to be impressed. Uh, well, I would be too. And, and the, fact, the fact that he's even making that attempt, and hopefully it's not just lip service, is uh, in and of itself somewhat impressive. And and that's an example of sometimes you can find customer service in places where you least expect it, good customer service, in places where you least expect it. Uh, you know, what you, the last huge hurricane that was devastating down in New Orleans, I mean, there were some debacles that, that took place. And here's my take on, on all of this and to – you know, it's it has nothing to do with politics, and you know, I hope that President Obama comes through very quickly for all these people, as George Bush wanted to come through quickly for the people in New Orleans. I think that we're better prepared for disaster today than in the past, and we learn from every experience we have. I think that FEMA probably tried to do the right thing back in New Orleans, and 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 they did in many many places, and they failed on other counts. And I think that we'll see. Unfortunately, uh, hopefully they'll be better this time around. They have more experience from the recent past. But I think we're still going to see problems. And these catastrophic events, unfortunately, teach us how to be better equipped for the next catastrophic event. Ideally, we'd never have any of these. Uh, but So I really hope that, that you know the president does come through, and they need to. And I look at how uh, you know Governor Christie has been stepping up, and you know he made this comment the other day. He says, all politics aside, I don't care who's president. I care about what's going on in my community right now. Right. Okay? right. And that's what we're working on. Well, that's that's all part of it. And, and I do believe that this kind of leads us into uh, the area that we touched on briefly before we came on air, and that was we were talking about you, you need to have people that are speaking well of you, well of your brand. You need to have your brand evangelists. Right. Tell us, tell us how customer service can help you establish a good, solid core of brand evangelists, and what is a brand evangelist? as you see it. Sure. Uh, second to last book was called The Cult of the Customer. How do you like that title? Love it, love it. Cult kind of scares people, but cult is not a dirty word. And the subtitle is Create an Amazing, there's that word again, Amazing Customer Experience that Turns Satisfied Customers into Customer Evangelists. And the difference between, uh, let's talk about satisfied customers and loyal customers. Sat you want loyalty. And satisfactory is simply a rating. You know, oh, he's a satisfied or she's a satisfied customer. But to take it a step further, you get loyalty. It's not just a rating. It's now an emotion. I'm tied to you. I want to do business with you. With you. I like it. I love it, if you want to use the, the love word. Uh, I love to work with you. You're, you know, your, your people always deliver. I love her or him in the office because they always take care of me. 
But the next step is, beyond loyalty, is evangelism. And that's where these loyal customers will sing your praises and share the the stories they've had with others, be it their friends, their family, and now via channels on social media. Because they can tell the world if they want. Right, right. So that's what a brand evangelist or a customer evangelist does for you. Is and that's the best customer. Well, that is what used to be called, and it still is, but it used to be called in its uh, simplest form, word of mouth. Right, right. Well, that's what word of mouth is. People evangelize you. That's right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, what are some of the things that uh, that you think uh, are really important to be? Uh, extraordinary and not ordinary. I mean, I've got a list of them here. First impression, education, uh, rapport building, enthusiasm, communication, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. These are some things that, that uh, your, your publicist sent to me that you get involved in in some of your talks and so on. But kind of give us a little rundown on, on first impression. Do you only have one opportunity to make a first impression? Well, that's the old expression. You only have yes, one opportunity yes. to make a first impression. Exactly. And, uh, Yogi, Yo- did Yogi Berra say that? I don't uh, know. <laughs> Yogi Berra, at least Yogi Berra has been stuck with a lot of things that he supposedly said. <laughs> so first impressions are really, it could be the first time you meet somebody or it could be the 500th or 5 millionth time. What you're doing is setting a tone for whatever interaction is to follow. And by the way, uh, I want to step back for a second because I want to, I'm going to mention something. Internally, inside of a company, you have internal customers, people you work with day in, day out, people that depend on you for whatever it is that you do for them to do their job, or you know, you may depend on them. So it goes back and forth. And internally, you're trying to create a great you know, positive culture. So when we talk about first impressions and dealing with the customer, Think about the first impression you have internally with the people you work with, your inside customer. Because you can be walking down the hall and say nothing, look forward, and give a cold stare as you walk by one of your peers, and they're going to go, oh, bad, bad bad mood, okay? And, you know, the, uh, the idea is, you know, if there's one bad apple, it could spoil the whole bunch, okay? Mm-hmm. So one person with that, you know, just with that negative attitude can set the tone for the rest of the people, and it really does permeate sometimes even quicker and faster than somebody who's positive. So that first impression sets the tone for what's to follow. It's the way you dress for success, which is dressing however is appropriate. It's, it's the way you greet people. It's the way you smile at them. It's the way you shake their hand. If you're walking by them, it's the way you say good morning and head nod or whatever and walk by. Uh, it's the way you answer the telephone. Do you welcome people into the conversation or do they feel like they're an interruption? I mean, you may not say, you know, what do you want? But that's exactly what that person on the other end of the phone might might feel like when you answer a certain way. So you're welcoming people into your world, be it in person, over the phone, as you walk by them, and that sets the tone for whatever interaction is to follow. And here again, I do believe, and because and, 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 we are really strong on uh, Deborah Speaks, uh, very nicely and, and has written some very nice things about branding, both personal brand and business brand, and how it can save your bacon in the in the event that you've treated it well, and how if you haven't treated it well, it can absolutely sink your ship. 
And the first impression, whether it's the first impression for the first time or the umpteenth time, really is all part of building your brand and making sure that people have that. Your brand is your expectation. In other words, what people expect of you based on what they've heard and what they've seen. And that that's all part of that impression. And and I and I don't I just don't understand why more and more people don't uh in business don't understand that. And I don't understand, and I cannot fathom why people uh that are just out living life can't uh, can't understand that or, or, or fail to realize it. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Mhm. Uh, what ideas would you have uh, with regard to how to ensure that your first impressions are the ones that really uh, are going to benefit you? I would say, real simply, be aware. Be in the moment. Uh, and that's the problem. People become distracted, and they're in the middle of something, and they don't set a positive first impression uh, because they're they're so engaged in something else. What happens many times, and if, if, if it's an interruption, uh, you're forced to break what's called preoccupation, whatever you're preoccupied with. And how you break that, and it sets the tone for what's to follow. So, I mean, yeah, it's very easy to just go along and do what you want to do. But being aware, and by the way, we call it service awareness. Uh, and this is just one piece of it. So I'd say, you know, be in the moment, be aware. And as far what what can you say about uh, building rapport? Because building rapport is all obviously part of this, and it really is. Is a lot of this is really plain as the nose on our faces, but people just uh, don't pay that much attention sometimes because they are um, uh, they are preoccupied, and they don't give it the appropriate due that it probably should command. So tell me a little, talk to me a little bit about building rapport and what. What are some things that can be done to help anybody build rapport? Sure. And and building rapport means, uh, I would say, talking and communicating on a level past business. Now, recognize that the people you work with, customers as well, people you do business with, depending on their personalities, they may be very bottom line oriented, very driven, very, uh, as they, there's various behavioral styles, but a director or a dominant personality might be interested, hey, let's just get down to business. I don't have time for the small talk. And sometimes rapport building can be considered small talk, but taking a moment as things start, you know, as you start to have a a conversation, hey, how are you? That's building rapport, you know. Right. You know, how was your weekend? Building rapport. What do people like to talk about more than anything? Themselves. Exactly, themselves. So you ask, you know, a real quick question about themselves, and except there is one thing people like to talk about more than themselves. If they have what? Their kids. Exactly, their kids. And so you're passing the test very well, by the way. <laughs> you may have missed helpful on the front end of the conversation, but you're nailing it now. You're with me. You know? no, I've got, I've got, I've got one daughter and two granddaughters. I'm talking about them. <laughs> right. Hey, and you know what? And think about it. Before we got on the call today. Uh, we talked about our kids, didn't we? Your yes, grandkids, we did. and yes, trick we or treat, did. and all that. All so, that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, but building rapport is about talking about what interests the other person, and it doesn't have to be a long conversation. It could literally be uh, just a, a quick ten, twelve seconds, and I think that's very powerful. Uh, so, 
I might be, you know, I might be at a restaurant and uh, the host of the restaurant, and you walk in, and the first time you come in, you know, you're with your, I'm gonna, I'm talking to you, so you're with your wife and with your daughter and the grandkids. Okay, so there's the five of you, and I see you, and then you come in a few days later, and now you're just with your wife, and I say, hey, how are those grandkids doing? How long did that take? You're going to give me, as I sit you at your table, you're going to tell me what's going on. And you know what you're going to think? Wow, the people at this restaurant are so nice. That's right. And it's not even the people, it's just me. But I represent all the people at that moment, don't I? Yes, you do. Yeah. And that reminds me, you know, now that you brought that up and you bring up the restaurant uh, idea, uh, there was when we lived in San Diego. There was a in Oceanside, California. Actually, there was a, a show off. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm not there now, though, am I? Uh, <laughs> uh, there was a there was a restaurant. There it was a Mexican restaurant uh, run by a Hispanic family. Just beautiful family. I mean, handsome men, beautiful wives and daughters of the owner uh, of the owners. I should say he only had. Uh, one wife each, uh, but but nonetheless, every time we would walk in, Deborah had this one meal that she would always get there, and they would always make sure that, that they said that it was available. They always make sure that they would come to the table with their glass of iced tea. They would take care of everything that we needed. They knew that I liked to have guacamole. They would bring bring a side of guacamole. Everything was handled because we went in, and they took care of us uh, like we were a king and a queen. And we told more people about that place and took more people to that place. And everybody and everybody loved it. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And it didn't take them any more time to do that than it would have been to be grumpy. Right. I mean, so it it really, it's more about being aware and engaged. Mm-hmm. Because you know what's going to have to happen? When you, you're going to get your guacamole. Either they're going to proactively bring it to you because they remember you and you appreciate that they remember you, or you're going to ask for it. So it's the same amount of effort no matter what. It's just maybe a little bit of brain power going in there because you remember somebody and you remember what they like. And you know, Doesn't it make you, you feel special when you sit down and somebody said, hey, uh, before you even ask, I know you love her guacamole. Would you like me to bring you some of that? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. it's the same amount of effort. Or she says to me, Pete, we just made some fresh guacamole. Would you like to have some? <laughs> and, it's, and you go, oh, well, of course. And you can charge me double. I don't care. <laughs> it's, fine with, it's fine with me. And that brings to mind, I, I said to you earlier uh, that I saw the clip that you had on the top of your website. And you had this experience with this taxi driver. Yes. And uh, could you briefly tell that story uh, about this this gentleman? Uh, I, th- I thought it was absolutely one of the best stories I've heard with regard to customer service. Well, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. The the brief story, and and by the way, I encourage if it's okay, tell people go to the website and watch the video because it's a fun video. And, it is a fun video. Yes, absolutely. And we uh, we actually put it on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. With uh, I think there's about 80 some odd videos on there. The first one that always comes up though is the cab driver story. It's the most popular one, and uh, the rest of them are all. Uh, it's usually me just talking and giving a customer service tip. But uh, if you like the story and you want to use it with your people to show them 
a good example, and then you know it's it's like a free training product that you can have it. I mean, there's no there's no cost to showing this because there's so many different lessons that come from it. But the short version of it is, and I don't want to do the whole story. This guy picked me up from downtown Dallas, uh, and I was heading out to the airport. Uh, kind of looked a little bit uh, disheveled looking, and he jumped out of the cab to take my bags and. Uh, he told me that cab was nice and cool on the inside, and and I thought it might be a, when I first saw him because of the way he looked. I thought maybe it's a moment of misery, uh, you know, because just the way he looked. What's the inside of the cab like? Is it dirty, grimy? But no, he assured me it's nice and cool and clean. He took my bags, put them in the back. I got into this very nice, cool, air conditioned cab, and it was very hot, middle of the summer kind of temperature. I don't know if it's hot as it was at where you live in Arizona. But in Dallas, they have heat and humidity, right? right? So none of this dry heat stuff from Arizona. Anyway, uh, there was a newspaper, actually two newspapers. There were sodas for me to drink. He offered me a piece of candy. I mean, and he told me it was the same rate that any cab driver would charge. I'm pretty impressed. And as we got out of the highway, uh, he started asking me questions. Where am I from? You know, what am I doing here in Dallas? And we just talked about that. What's that called? Building what? Rapport. Exactly. So he's building a little rapport. And then he asked if I had a moment to see this famous fountain that's right on the way to the airport. And he told me about it. He says, beautiful fountain. You need to see it. And I'm not going to charge any extra money. It's right off the highway. And I thought, you know, I'll humor the guy. Show me the fountain. And <laughs> he did. And you might be familiar with it if you've seen a picture of it anyway. It's these big statues of horses, life-size statues of horses. They're galloping across the water. And their hooves, where they hit the water, it's splashing up. And it's a really cool-looking statue. You can sense energy and motion coming from these these horses. And so we're looking at it, and we get back into the cab, and we're on our way back to the airport. And he asked me for my business card because he said he collects the cards of the people he drives. And he then gave me his, when I and we exchanged cards. And he told me to call him when I got back to Dallas, or when I, when I would come back to Dallas the next time. Let him know what time, what airline, flight number. And he said he'd pick me up. And he said that I will treat you like a limousine driver. I'll park the car outside, come inside, meet you where you get your bags. I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. And we got to the airport, and he gets a big tip, a huge tip. Couldn't wait to come back and do business with him again. And that's a great story because it started out, you know, as I looked at him, and, and, and it wasn't so much that he was, uh, I, I may exaggerate slightly, but he's the most disheveled-looking man I've ever met in my life. You know, put him in a tuxedo, he's still going to look this way. You know, shave him at 7 in the morning, and at 8 in the morning, he's got a 5 o'clock shadow. (laughs) There's a guy that used to play on the golf tour. He looked like that. On the PGA Tour, they called him uh, Dr. Dirt. (laughs) Dr. Dirt. You know, and that's it. And he probably was a very clean man, but, no, he just looked that way, right? So, but the cool part about this story is that when I got back to St. Louis, where I live, four days later, there was a thank you note in the mail from my cab driver. Mm. That's a cool thing. And then every holiday around Christmas time, I get a holiday from, a card from him. Now, every time I would go back to Dallas, he'd pick me up and take me around. You know, customer service is, is a thank you note part of customer service. I think showing appreciation absolutely is. Spending an extra, you know, 25 cents uh, for a card or and, you know, a few pennies for postage. Well, not pennies, but about a few quarters for postage. <laughs> but today, for less than a dollar, you send somebody a thank you note, and they go, wow. And that's the kind of thing that makes people want to come back and do business with you. And until he retired as a cab driver, I would go back, 
and he'd pick me up and drive me. And I gave so many people his name and number, hence the word evangelism that we talked about earlier in the hour. And it was a great experience. But here are the various lessons, and there's a bunch of them in here. Uh, number one, he it started out to be a very ordinary ride. Typical cab driver, right? And if you are in a cab and you have a good experience, what do you usually do, Pete, when you, you get there? Him. You tip them, right? And therefore, you are a satisfied customer. Do you ever see that cab driver again? Chances are no. Chances are no. It would be lucky if you did. But, you know, that cab driver is probably going to go back and wait in line at the airport or go back to the uh, hotel cab stand and hope that, you know, they get another fare in a short period of time. Frank, my cab driver was different. I got lucky. He just dropped someone off. He was going back to the airport to pick up another customer who had made an appointment. And he saw a guy with bags. He said, I know that guy's going to the airport. I'm going to pick up an extra few dollars, taking him back. And not only did he pick up the extra fare, he also picked up a permanent loyal customer in me. And what I learned about Frank is that he didn't wait in lines at the cab stands. He waited outside the building for his customers who made appointments. And the result was he made five times more money than the average cab driver did by working the same amount of hours by keeping busy and working smarter, not necessarily harder. And I will go so far as to say, in addition to that, the tip that you gave him and probably the tips that all those other customers gave him was a a tremendous return on investment for the buck or two bucks that he spent on a card and a thank you and a postage stamp. Oh, and and even more than that, as I got to know this guy, he'd share a lot with me. And uh, the sodas cost them like 25 cents. And he even said to me once, I give somebody a 25-cent soda, and they give me like an extra $2 on the tip. You know, do the math. You know, that's a pretty good return. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, so the, the newspapers he picked up at hotels that had leftover newspapers that the guests didn't take. So that didn't cost them anything. And the time it took to show me the fountain was just – maybe three or four minutes of extra time, which really, again, it didn't cost much of anything for him to do that. But the payoff was the experience. And I always joke, I, know, I couldn't wait to see what we're going to do the next time. You know, maybe we're going to go shopping at the new mall or, <laughs> or a baseball game. <laughs> Where is he going to take me next? And but, the nice thing about it was it was a flat fee. The meter wasn't running. Right, right. You know, and, and that's the way it worked. And and by the way, you know, he, if it was if it was a meter, he could say, you know what, I'd love to show, and I'll turn off the meter so you don't get charged any extra. I mean, sure. that's another way of doing it. There's all kinds of creative things that anybody can do to add value to the experience that a customer has. You know, in in the most recent book I wrote called The Amazement Revolution, the first chapter focused on my birthday party business back when I was 12 years old. And my dad used to tell me, and and probably about a year into it when I really started doing a lot more magic shows, and I was doing sometimes eight, ten shows a week, uh, but my dad used to say, you know, son, you got to deliver value. And I didn't know what the heck value meant back then. But he says, let me me put it to you this way. Show up early, stay late. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Basically, give them more than they thought they were going to get. And I remember, well, go go ahead. No, no, oh, go ahead, going. please. You're the man. You go. No, ahead. no, no, no. You're you're talking about value. Please go ahead. Okay, the value. So the whole uh, the whole thing about that was, I came home one day in between a couple of the shows that I was doing on a Saturday, and I was dead tired, and I still had another one to do. And he said to me, "Not only do you need to show up, 
you need to show up and put on the best performance of your life. Right. Because the people in that audience, the kids, the parents, they don't know that you've already done two or three today. They don't even care that you've done two or three today. They don't care how tired you are. They don't care if you're sick. All they care about is getting a great show. So show up early, work hard while you're there, stay a little late. That's part of what that whole value piece is. He also told me, uh, you know, a week ahead of time, call the parents, let them know they're coming, and he says, you're going to create confidence, confidence. And I go, okay. Uh, and I, confidence is big, but I didn't realize just how big it is today. It's like that's what it's about. If you can create confidence with your customers, that's what they're looking for. People are afraid sometimes to do business with people until they have confidence in you. You know, am I making the right decision? Well, my sales rep, my person's giving me confidence. So you give confidence. He said, uh, my mom used to say, make sure you write that thank you note when you get home from that magic show. So there's another, you know, and these are all the things we do in business today. That's right. And I was learning them at age 12 and 13. So I was well, pretty it's, lucky. It's, it's it's interesting uh your when you were relating that story about your magic shows uh, it reminded me of when I used to be a caterer. Uh I used to be a caterer for uh in in San Diego for the uh, for the San Diego Chargers. They were my primary account. Oh, that's cool. And I was what they called the entertainment caterer. And what I did for them is I catered to all the halftime bands and halftime entertainers, therefore the name entertainment caterer, uh, that were going to be doing the show at the foot at the football games. And that all that meant is that I brought my big grill out. It was a big big grill trailer that I had made out of a bed of a of a pickup truck still on the rear axle of a pickup truck and I went out and I would cook hot dogs and burgers and whatever else and they would feed these kids before they went out to do their performance but in return for that what I would get is I was it was my name that was mentioned whenever somebody called in for group ticket sales and they said I needed to have a caterer for a tailgate party and my claim to fame was the following I was always on time the food always tastes good it was always hot and there was always plenty of it. And I, I made no outrageous claims, but that's, those were the basic claims. And I tell you, I had people falling down to get to my tri-tip and chicken recipes. And that's all wow. was tri-tip and chicken. Chicken breast chopped up, random size, and tri-tip roast done on the grill with some special beans and toasted garlic bread that I did over the coals. That was it. And I tell you, I made more money when I was doing that than you could ever imagine. <laughs> so you know what? You're, you bring up a very good point, Ben, and it kind of goes to that whole what do you do best uh, thing we were talking about earlier in the hour. Yes. And, and you know, back to Ace Hardware, you know, their best is helpful. Well, your best, you made, you made uh, you, first of all, you systematized. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, you mentioned that Mexican restaurant. What I love about a Mexican restaurant is they've got like, you know, 80 things on their menu, but they've only got 10 ingredients in the back. Right. <laughs> okay, and that's an exaggeration. But what I love about it is that when you combine different foods, different vegetables, different, you know, uh, ingredients, uh, and, you know, maybe it's a fried chimichanga versus a soft taco, it's the same thing. And what you did is you said, hey, I've got three or four items that I do really, really good. Right. If you use these three or four items, here's the promise I'm going to make you, okay? I'm going to be there on time, which is a personal promise, but always going to have more than enough food. It's always going to be hot. It's always going to taste great. And, you know, those. it's not like you're promising the world. You're not going to say, oh, I promise you're going to have a great experience. 
I've given you specificity. That's a great word, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. I like that word. But that's what you did. And you didn't just say, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Trust me. No, this is what I'm going to give you. And you were very specific. And you didn't promise anything else. Uh, you, you've got in Arizona, and I love this, and they, and they actually have in California, too, In-N-Out Burger. Yes. They're the, you know, think about what they do. First of all, they give a great service experience, and there's a lot of reasons behind that. And in and, and full disclosure, they are also a client. But what do they sell? They sell hamburgers, french fries, and, and drinks, be it a soda or a shake, right? Right. I they don't sell uh, 15 other items. They don't sell pizza. They don't sell, uh, you know, but they give you the hamburger the way you want it. You know, they even said, hey, if you don't want the bread, we'll wrap it in lettuce. Right. You know, and so uh, they, they caught on that health kick. But the point is they limited their menu because they know that's what they really, really do well. They put service on top of it. But what is it that they're not the best at? Actually, the best is not the right word. Uh, but what is it that they are not known for? I, I, I bet I don't know. I don't oh, yeah, you do. When I tell you, you're going to, oh, yeah. Okay, because we kind of talked about it before. They're not known for low prices. Oh, that is true. That right. Is true. But yeah, you're not going to get you're not going to get your uh, your 99 cent double burger there. Right. But do you even think about that when you go to In-N-Out Burger? Never. No, because the food quality is high. And and by the way, McDonald's, which is your 99 cent burger that you might be thinking of, which which by the way, they they do McDonald's I think is is interesting because I think that McDonald's even though you would think they compete on price it's it's still you can go to the store and buy a, a sack of buns and uh, some hamburger meat and grill it yourself, and it's going to probably be less expensive per hamburger than you would pay at McDonald's. But here's McDonald's gives you convenience, speed, uh, system that you know again they have the, the, all over the world. You're going to get that you know Big Mac order fries. It's going to taste the same, right? And they're going to you know and, and you're paying for you know, this guarantee. Is it the best hamburger in the world? Not necessarily. Absolutely but it's not. a good hamburger. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't claim, although I think they probably do claim to be the very best. But I'll tell you, that In N Out burger to me is about as good as it gets in the no, it's tough it's tough it's tough to beat on the fast food yeah. place. It really is tough to beat. No yeah. doubt about so, it. And I'm not slamming McDonalds anyway. If anything I'm I'm complimenting them upon their system because McDonalds knows what they do best. In N Out knows what they do best. Yeah, well, and and that's exactly you're exactly right with regard to what I was doing in my catering business. I mean, I have I have done fancy stuff. I I, I have done big weddings. I have done quinceañeras. I don't know if you're familiar with what quinceañeras are, but that's it's when the uh, Hispanic uh, young woman turns 15. She becomes of age, so to speak, mm-hmm. and it's almost it's almost like a wedding. Wow, I mean they're huge. They're huge, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I've I've done all that stuff, and I and I could do it, and I did it, and and frankly, I wasn't all that fired up about doing it, but the money was really really good. So I put on my smile and I went and I did it, and I gave them damn good service. But when I was when I was in standing in back of my grill, behind my grill, slicing up that tri tip, taking the tri tip out of out of the uh, the marinade. Throwing it, literally throwing it up in the air, having it crash out of the grill, and at, at a night game, the flames shooting up into the air. I was putting on a show. There we go. 
and we called it the show. It was mm. the big it was the big leagues of barbecue, and we put that thing together, and people just loved it. And it and even it came over here when I came to Arizona. I said, oh yeah, I used to do this when people would say, and I said, would you fix that for me? And I've even had some events in people's backyards that I've gone to kick try tip for over here. And, and, it, and it's not something I want to do anymore because it was killing me. But uh, I mean, it was just tough, tough work. But I tell you, um, I didn't. I've never had another job where I could go out and I could spend one day on a Sunday, including a football game, and clear thirty-five thousand dollars because I fed fifteen hundred people from Green Bay. Wow, <laughs> I've never had that happen before, and I've never had it happen since either. <laughs> but, but, well, it is uh, hard work, and Mama said, is. "Don't be afraid of a little hard work." That's true. That's true. Uh, we're we're starting to starting to weave our way towards the uh, the end of the program here. And there's a couple things that I that I wanted to go over that you have on that you have on your website that I, I really found. I, I looked at your website and I'm just amazed at all the information that's there, as, as well as the as well as the video that I mentioned earlier and so on. But you have ten compelling reasons to deliver a, to deliver amazing customer service experience. And I, I'm just I'm just looking through here and it's. Uh, when you say customer service saves money, let's explain that a little bit because I think it's very, very important, especially in these economic conditions. Well, some people would say customer service costs, and I would say it pays, and I can hit a bunch of different angles, but how does it save money? Do it right the first time. You don't have to go back and do it again. That in itself is a money saver. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that's probably one of the biggest lessons. It, it you know people are happy they don't come back and complain. When there's a complaint, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes money. Do you know um, where was I recently? Uh, and I had just a very very mild, oh I know it's about two weeks ago. I'm at a hotel and I had a breakfast coupon, and it was for the hot or it was for the cold buffet. And when I they gave it to me, they said, but you can apply it toward the hot buffet. I said, okay, cool. So I went in there, and the hot buffet is $3 more. Big deal. And uh, I went to give them the coupon, and they said, oh, I went to do the hot buffet, and they said, we're, we're not doing the hot buffet today. There's not enough people in the hotel. Just order anything you want off the menu. And I gave them the coupon at the end, which was worth like $8. And the guy said to me, uh, I'm sorry, that's just for the buffet. I said, but you're not having the buffet, and you told me to order off the menu. He goes, well, I didn't know you had the coupon. And I go, well, you know, the lady told me, and I knew he knew I had the coupon because I put it down as soon as I sat down. Anyway, bottom line, we're arguing over $8. And I said, I'm not going to do this, but you know what, you probably ought to go ask your manager. He he comes back a few minutes later with the manager, and the manager goes on to tell me why he's not going to take it. And I said, are you the manager of the hotel? No, I said, you go tell the manager of the hotel what you told me. He goes off and does this. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, Okay, after about 20 minutes, what's his time worth? It's got to be worth more than the $8, okay? Sure. Because now sure. I've used the time of his server, the of manager of the restaurant, and the GM. And, I, and the GM finally comes out and says, I understand we have a problem. I said, I think you've got a bigger problem than I do because I'm happy at this point to pay it because I just want to get out of here. But you've spent more time and effort and money telling me that you're not going to take care of me on something that I thought I should be taking care of than the whole thing's worth. And as a matter of principle, go stand by it, okay? But you also, when I checked in last night, you gave me this card that says, please let us know how we're doing on Yelp. 
You want me to socially tell everybody my experience here. So, of course, he quickly took off the money, apologized. (laughs) And I told him what I did for a living. I said, I don't want to be a jerk. This is what I do. And he was very nice about it, and he thanked me for the lesson. I said, you need to go and you need to tell your people what happened here. So, um, you know, if you go to the Ritz-Carlton, the everybody in the hotel has permission to spend up to $2,000 to take care of a guest problem. That's a whole lot of money. Okay? Yes, it is. Uh, and to, to bring up Ace Hardware again, Ace Hardware has something they call the $5 lifeboat. If there's a problem and it costs less than $5 to solve it, you have permission to do it. And if and just don't worry about it. You're not going to get in trouble if... We feel it wasn't, you know, worthy. We'll explain why, and we're not. We're going to teach you how to use this little lifeboat. You know, lady comes in, didn't have any money with her. She forgot her purse, and was and had a key made, and uh, realized she couldn't pay for it. And the young guy who just been hired, who watched the training video, said, "Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. If you're in the area and you have your purse with you, come back and pay for it then." How do you think that lady felt? Oh, she was. Yeah. And so here's why I say it doesn't cost, it pays. Furthermore, uh, I know you know it saves you money. It actually makes you money. If you invest in an index of stocks uh, that is, are focused on customer service, and you can get this content and information from the American Customer Satisfaction Index, which is uh, created by the University of Michigan's Business School. That's a lot of words. <laughs> and, but... Uh, if you buy uh, an index of those stocks and you hold on to them, uh, and actually they show you the studies for a period of 10 years, if somebody uh, shows that they've missed their customer service ratings, you drop them out of the portfolio. Doing that, you'll earn anywhere from two to four times on what the S&P typically does. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. You yeah. invest your money in the S&P standard index, and 10 years later, you know, the, uh, there was a 10-year period where they showed you made 108%. You invest in these other companies that are focused on customer service, and depending upon how you do it, you make more than double, and in some cases, four times the amount. It's That's amazing. amazing. That it proves is. it to me. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. But, yes, it does save you money, <laughs> and it well, can that, make you money, too. There's one more of your one more of your, your 10 points that I want, want to touch on, and, and we are getting down to the the short rows here. Uh, number eight, customer service-focused companies are usually employee-focused companies, therefore creating a better place to work. That means lower turnover, which could mean savings in hiring, training, and more. Yes. It's amazing how the, it's a hand-in-glove experience, isn't it? You know, just today I posted on my blog, which is customerserviceblog.com, an article that says, before you can be customer-centric, which is the big word about being customer-focused, the big phrase, you must also, or before you're customer-centric, be employee-centric, if that's such a term. Meaning, you have to start modeling and treating the people internally the way you want the outside customer treated. So if you hire the right people and you get them engaged in turnover and you create a great place to work, they will want to take care of the customer. Herb Kelleher from Southwest Airlines paraphrasing his famous quote about a question that was posed to him, what's more important, uh, the the employees, the customer who's their passenger, or the stakeholders. And it was at a stakeholder meeting, and everybody wanted him to say the stakeholders, the shareholders. Instead, he said, I believe the customer is basically second. The employees are first. 
Let's take care of our employees. Make them happy. In turn, they'll want to take care of our customers. That will make the customers happy. And when the passengers, his customers, are happy, they come back again. And when they come back again, then the shareholders are happy. <laughs> and there it is, the perfect That's circle. It. That's it. And and that is that is the cycle and that is to me is the correct way to to phrase the cycle because there there's no short stopping the first one. If you put your if you put your employees on the back end of that project, you're going to have a bunch of um, uh, disgruntled employees because they're 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 not going to be able to see that they fit anywhere in the scheme of things. You know, and there's a gentleman, Brian Keeley, the CEO of Baptist Health South down in Florida. He wants everybody that comes to work for him to view uh, Baptist Health as their destination employment opportunity, meaning come here, you'll be so happy you'll never want to work anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's that, not the way it is typically. People jump around. Uh, there's no job security. They want to give you that security, the confidence. If you fit into their culture, you'll want to stay there forever. And that is novel in today's world. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, we have reached that point, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hyken, that we are down to the short rows. And now, as I promised, it's time for your shameless self-promotion. <laughs> well, I don't have a lot of shameless self-promotion because truly uh, just being on this show is, is promotion. Uh, but if somebody wanted to take advantage of what we have to offer – uh, as much as I would love for them to pay money for that, and that would be wonderful, we offer lots of resources just on the website. As you know, I'm a professional speaker. I go out and make a good living talking at meetings and events. Would love that. Uh, we have training programs where I have wonderful trainers and facilitators that go out and do that. We have our books on our website, which is hyken, H-Y-K-E-N.com. We have an online customer service training program, so... Uh, companies that are very budget conscious or an individual that wants to take advantage and really get a little bit more than just reading a book. Great opportunity to do that. So uh, you can get all this information at hiking.com. But on that website, as you mentioned, there's a lot of content. Uh, The blog post, there's over 200 and some odd articles that I've written. And in addition to that, every week I do a real quick two, three sentence summary of five articles that I've read throughout the week. I call it the top five of the week for whatever week we're in. And so every Monday morning I post my five favorite articles that I've read the last week, all focused on customer service. And so there's just valuable resources on there. And the YouTube channel, look me up. It's just my name, Shep Hyken is the channel. Follow me on Twitter. We post every day uh, content about customer service. Again, very focused. So, And my Twitter handle is Hyken, H-Y-K-E-N. Well, I, I tell you, uh, Chef, it's been a pleasure having you with me today. And number one, and it's obvious that uh, you are you are uh, practicing what you preach when you say things like you should concentrate in one particular area and make yourself the very best you could possibly be in that area. And you're obviously doing it. So, well, thank uh, you, sir. I, I commend you for that, and I and I certainly appreciate uh, all that you're doing, and I enjoyed tremendously this conversation today. Well, my pleasure, and I appreciate you having me, and thank you so much. And, again, happy Halloween. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) There you go. Thanks again, Shep. I appreciate you being with me. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you.
And that conversation today was with Mr. Chef Hyken of Hyken.com. Anything and everything you ever want to know about customer service, he is the man. Uh, look him up, Hyken.com. There is more information on that website than you could possibly read in a day. Uh, just take your time and go through it and find what it is that you need. And if you need beyond what's on that website, please, by all means, contact Shep. Uh, he'll be able to help you out with uh, any of your needs if you're trying to improve your customer service and other ideas and aspects of your business with regard to your employees and so on and so forth and how customer service actually plays a part in all aspects of your business. So with that, we'll say goodbye. I'm glad he was with us today. Again, Shep Hyken. It's Hyken.com. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Join us tomorrow for some more great programming, and we hope to see you and hear, talk to you and listen from you at that time. Take care. Debate Show, where we bring interesting conversations to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, where we tweet as Boomer and Babe, and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 